Well, I first saw this car way back in the mid-90s. I was in elementary school and just really started to get into your everyday normal vehicles, you know, sedans, pickup trucks and that. Moving out of sports cars, I was getting older and really starting to take notice of vehicles other than the fun ones in the automotive world. This one really stuck out to me as it, uh, it really had a sport inspiration and appeal behind it. It was more than just your regular sedan. It was, it was a sports sedan. Something unknown of to a Japanese marketplace. This was known of in the American and German marketplace. But Japan, sports sedans? They were usually big, blocky, boring vehicles. And this company released this sports sedan. Years later, I would find out that this sports sedan was originally supposed to be a vehicle that pushed the envelope of luxury for this brand. That luxury brand would never take hold. It would never become part of the greater corporation. Amani was supposed to be the luxury division of Mazda to compete against products from Lexus, Acura, and Infiniti. But unfortunately, that never came true. And why is that? Well, that is something we're going to take a look at today on the Autolux podcast. Welcome back to the Autolux Podcast. I am your host, as always, the doctor to the automotive industry, Mr. Everett J, coming to you from our main host website, autolux.net. If you haven't been there, stop by, check it out, give it some ratings, send us some emails, and remember, on any major streaming site or even our website, drop us a line, tell us what you think, and send it out to all your friends. All these ratings can help us boost the autolux.net website and podcast and get us out to more people around the world. So thank you to all of our fans and all of our listeners out there. As I said, I am your host, Everett J, coming to you from Autolux.net and Ecom Entertainment Group, the company behind Autolux. So like I said in the intro, Mazda and Luxury. You have to remember way back into the 80s and even early 90s, Mazda was tied in with Ford in North America. They worked together in collaborations with all kinds of different products, especially pickup trucks. If it wasn't for Mazda, Ford and its Ranger would never be here. Now we know the original Courier is where Mazda started out. And if you haven't heard about it, go back and listen to our podcast about the Ford Ranger and you'll understand about how that relationship came to be and where it has gone from there. But back in the 80s, a little company by the name of Honda saw that Americans were into luxury products. And these luxury brands were originally envisioned due to export restrictions of over 1.68 million cars from Japan to the United States. Due to this, companies shifted their allotment to more luxurious models and began making lower priced products in the United States. The Chevrolet Nova and the Toyota Corolla. If you didn't know, the old Fremont factory that now builds Teslas used to be utilized to build General Motors and Toyota products together in a collaboration, which again later expanded to the Pontiac Vibe and Toyota Matrix years down the road. Now these were lower priced products being built in the United States, where in Japan the vehicles they wanted to ship over needed to make more money for them because they were only allotted a certain amount. Now of 1.68 million cars being allotted from Japan to the US, that's not a major amount. Considering the fact that the American marketplace was nearly 6 million vehicles every single year, it seems quite big. But when you're an automotive player, you really want a bigger piece of that pie. And you want to be able to start selling more and more product. Acura was Honda's first attempt into the luxury field. And the Acura brand brought us European-designed but Japanese-built products to the North American shores under a premium banner 
for a premium price. This was quickly followed up by both Infiniti from Nissan and Lexus from Toyota. But Mazda being tied in with Ford left it open to more scrutiny. Restrictions were initially imposed as the Japanese companies cleaned house during the oil embargo day. The Americans didn't like the fact that Japan was cleaning up due to their fuel-efficient vehicles during the oil embargo in the 70s. You gotta remember, the oil embargo nearly bankrupted Ford and Chrysler Corporation. On top of that, it made a major hit into American Motors, who barely even owned more than 2% of the marketplace. Sure, they had small products like the Pacer and the Gremlin, but they didn't have have big products. They didn't have a big portion of the market share. Ill-equipped General Motors, Chrysler, Ford, and AMC lost market share due to the imports from Japan. And with an increased demand for luxury products in Japan, this helped aid in the allotment of vehicles. Yes, during the 80s, the Japanese market was on a rebound and their whole market was looking for luxury products. But now, in the U.S., with baby boomers moving from their middle age and the recovering economy, the luxury market was starting to grow in the United States. Like we said, in 1989, Acura became the first. In 1988, one year before Acura hit the market, Project Pegasus was launched at the American Mazda headquarters in Irvine, California. The popularity of the Miata was going to be used to draw in more customers. And now their initial tie-up with Ford allowed them to have a little more presence in the marketplace. You have to remember, this is the 80s. Mazda is the little guy. But when you consider the fact that the Miata was so big and so amazing, they thought this might be something they can utilize to capitalize on this growing luxury marketplace. But in the American marketplace, they needed to work hard and they needed to create a dedicated brand for that market. Considering the fact during the 80s and into the 90s, the American marketplace wasn't tied so closely into the global marketplace as it is today. Products developed for the American marketplace were for the American marketplace. Back in its home market, Mazda was growing and Mazda wanted to take hold of all of the marketplaces it can get its hands onto. It wanted into the sports car market, the premium market, and the luxury market. Ifini was used as Japan only a luxury brand from 1991 to 1987 as being one of the few extra brands associated with the Mazda Corporation. Its exclusive luxury products were the MS6 Hatch, which is essentially a Mazda Kronos or 626. The MS-8 sedan, which was its only dedicated model during its short six-year lifespan. The MS-9 sedan, Mazda Sentia. The RX-7, the MPV from Mazda, the Citroen XM Saloon, and the Citroen Xenia sedan. Affinity was luxury, and luxury was growing in Japan. Next to that, they needed to go one step below luxury, whereas Ineos was used to be Mazda's premium brand. And soon, AutoZone products were released to become their sports car brand. From 1989 to 1996, Ineos launched in January of 1992, the Ineos 100, which is the Mazda Familia, Ineos 300, the Mazda Persona, Ineos 500, Mazda Xenios 6, Ineos 800, Mazda Xenios 9, Ineos Cargo, Ineos Cosmo, Ineos Presso, which is the Mazda MX-3, Ineos 30X, the Mazda MX-3 yet again, Ineos Roadster, the Citroen AX, the Citroen BX and the Citroen ZX. Do remember, Mazda was tied in with Citroen back in the 80s for production of their products into the Japanese marketplace. Ineos was going after a catalyst for the Admani luxury brand in the North American marketplace. 
people started to get wind of the fact that Ennius was going to be used for the Manny expansion. Having a name that the North American marketplace may not be so into having, they decided to call it the Amanti brand. Amanti is Latin for love. This project was kept under wraps until August of 1991 when Mazda finally announced that the Amanti division was to come out by 1994 to take on their luxury marks from their competition. Two weeks after the Peugeot and Sterling said they were leaving the U.S. marketplace, Kind of funny how Imani was coming into the marketplace where Peugeot and Sterling were leaving the marketplace in August of 1991. This was showing that the American marketplace may be into some issues. Now, this was a possibility due to the increase in luxury products in the United States. Japanese headquarters really wanted the Imani brand to take off, but the American headquarters in Irvine, California thought this was just busy work to keep them going until they were given a true project from the North American marketplace. And the American marketplace and their headquarters thought that the market was becoming a little too saturated. And with the fallout for Bougeot and Sterling, maybe this was a sign of the times that luxury products were starting to dwindle as the market was becoming more saturated in the United States. In 1992, the plans were put together for the Manny 500. This was the vehicle that would soon become that car I initially talked about in the intro, the Mazda Millennia. On top of that, the Mazda Cosmos and a new V12 model were going to make their mark with the introduction of the Imani brand in 1994. The V12 would have competed with the Lexus LS. You have to remember, the Acura Legend wasn't as big as the Lexus LS. The LS was growing in demand and people were starting to look at Lexus as a major counterpart to both Mercedes and BMW, whereas Acura and Infiniti were still seen as more of a premium product range, similar to that of the likes of that time of Chrysler and even Lincoln. The Mini 500 eventually turned, like we said, turned into the Millennium model as production had already started on the Imani 500. The name was changed in the last second to ensure that Mazda would have a brand new product for the American marketplace. This was due to the fact of the asset price bubble that burst in October of 1992, which essentially scrapped the entire Imani project. On top of that, Mazda did not have the $50 million, this is 1992, to start production of the new Imani 1000 product. And the Imani 1000 was, like we said, was supposed to be their main Halo product. But this product was never shown to the public. We never got to see what this big V12 Halo product from Imani was going to look like. We saw the Cosmos and we saw the Millennia. But the 1000, due to the fact that they didn't have the money to start production of it, and their friends over at Ford or even Citroen weren't going to back them up. Mazda had to pull the plug. The Japanese marketplace, the Fini and Unius, and even AutoZone, started to falter. Mazda saw the writing on the wall and stated, we need to pull the plug on this project before it gets out. We need to take the dedicated resources from the Imani project and move it back over to Mazda to ensure that our homebred corporation can survive this asset bubble that's happening in Japan. If you go back and take a look back in 92 at the magazine called Wheels of Australia, they did an article with possible renderings of what the Imani 1000 was supposed to look like. They kind of gave us a little bit of insight into where Mazda was going with their luxury products. We'd already seen it with Infiniti and Ineos. These products were luxury or premium. We saw where Mazda was going to go. But in America, we never really got that. Because by the time the millennia hit the market, 
It looked just like any other Mazda product. It was just the bigger brother of the 929. Really, it wasn't that much different. It just had a more charismatic appeal. It had sport appeal. Now, how did they get the drawings for this if nobody had ever shown it to the public? Well, Wheels of Australia took the similarities between a 929 and added a V12 into it to kind of give it that appeal of the big production vehicle that a Manny was going to have. This is all great and an amazing thing, but unfortunately, we never got to see it. By the time the project was scrapped, Mazda already had 67 dealers signed up, and all of this advertising budget was already in progress. So some of these dealers even had brochures and advertisements made up. Or if you go online, you can actually find these and buy them from people that had had them and managed to keep them from Mazda getting them. These dealerships, some of them kept them in boxes stored up for years and then realized people were looking at the Amani brand, which, funny to say, is actually an anagram for Miata. A-M-A-T-I. And Miata is M-I-A-T-A. -A. They're an anagram of each other. Kind of funny. Latin for love and an anagram of Miata. <laughs> Good one, Mazda. But with all these brochures and advertisements already out, hell, even some magazines already taking their advertisements for the Imani brand to push it out into the world. But unfortunately, it never came out. And before the end of the decade, Nonius, Autism, Infinity would all die off as well. Mazda would be back on its own, being cash-strapped due to all these projects and the burst of the bubble in their home market. Ford upped their 24% interest by 12% in Mazda to gain their product knowledge. So before all this had, they had 24% interest in Mazda. Not a controlling stake, but they still had enough to sway opinions and change the outcomes of what they were getting. But by the end of the Amati project, they were now up to 36% ownership of Mazda. There is still speculation that states the second generation of the Sentia was actually what remained of the Imani 1000 project. If you go and take a look at the revised second generation Sentia, you'll see similarities between it and what Wheels of Australia had given us. They showcase where the, the Imani 1000 project was going to go. The funny thing is, is when the millennia arrived, it was given a premium title by journalists, accounting it as a luxury competitor from a standard brand. Well, as this was the end of the 90s, and we're starting to head into the early 2000s, the line was slowly starting to become skewed between standard products, premium products, and even luxury products. With the release of the Toyota Avalon, a premium product from a standard brand was already out there. And soon enough, Oldsmobile and Pontiac would be gone. So would Plymouth, even Mercury. Mercury was done away with because they were too similar to what Ford had. And that's kind of odd because the Mercury brand was created as an in-between product range. It was built to slot between what Ford is and what Lincoln is. But with Lincoln coming down from the luxury ranks into more a premium and Ford moving up into the premium, Mercury was not needed. Mazda started to see this. And another new company to the North American marketplace who entered around the time the Amati project was taking off, Hyundai, was showcasing with their new XG350 and the Azera product soon, the luxury from a standard brand can happen. Set to replace the 929, the Millennia became the top tier of the products from the 90s. It was the bread between all of the small little bits of the sandwich. The Millennia was top and king of the Mazda brands. But soon enough, it would be pushed aside. Come 2007, our move away from sedans and even minivans and more into the CUV marketplace, the CX-9 arrived with its three-row offering 
and premium dimensions. I owned one of those original CX-9s. I had a 2008, and it was more premium feel than a lot of other vehicles I ever owned. I have a Borrego after that, and now a RAV4, and the CX-9 felt more like a premium product. It was comfortable, it was quiet, and it hugged the road. Of course, this is at the time of Mazda doing their Zoom Zoom days. The CX-9 was essentially the first move since the millennia to move to a more premium segment. Revisions to the second generation CX-5 and CX-9 moved them more into the premium market segment. People started to see them as a standard product, but more premium price tags and premium features, Mazda was moving up the food chain. Sound familiar? Hyundai did this with their luxury products as well. The Genesis products came out, which allowed Hyundai to move up. The Mazda 6 and 3 revisions in the late 2010s made even more of a premium feel. The Mazda 3, even today, looking at it at the front, you get more of a premium appeal to it than you do from those old 323s back in the 90s. The 323 was essentially just a counterpart to the Toyota Tercel. There were standard products to get you into buying a product, where many was supposed to be above that. But in 2023, a brand new CX-9 came out. We actually have it rated on our website, on autolux.net. Go and take a look at it. But the brand new 2023 Mazda CX-9 has moved Mazda into where the Amani brand was going. It is a premium product. Hell, the, even the new CX-50 is moving into a premium product. They're moving up and they're moving into the luxury world. But can we get over Mazda being an original standard brand. We get up their products have been looking a little more premium inspired to go up against the likes of products from Buick these days. But can Mazda move out of its standard product image and into the premium field? They've wanted to be there before, but without a Fini, Ineos, AutoZom, or a Matty, will they be able to do it? Well, in a world today, like we said, the luxury is so skewed and so changed where companies like Mercury and Plymouth are no longer required. Premium today is just more about features. If you're looking for more of a luxury feature to this, we suggest that Mazda maybe bring back the Amani name and add it on as a luxury sub-brand to the Mazda product range, similar to that how Buick has the Avenir and Ford has the Vignali. Doing this could finally bring the Amani brand out and give Mazda what they originally wanted back in the 90s, luxury. Today, Mazda is straddling both echelons of the automotive marketplace, and they're both working in their favor. Where you can get a CX-50 or even a CX-30, where they see more of a standard product range, you can then move up into the CX-90s and get that full premium feature. And as standard premium and luxury buyers are all starting to come together, and that whole market is becoming so diluted, when you consider the fact that Tesla is considered a luxury make, but its product, even their image, still seem more like a standard product. The future is going to have a different look at premium and luxury products. And the new CX-90 could be what Mazda really needs. And by adding an Amani sub-brand to Mazda's top-tier products, creating that dedicated luxury appeal, Mazda someday could do the same thing that Hyundai did with their Genesis brand. Create a dedicated luxury brand utilizing what they built off in the past. Today, Mazda and a lot of their products compete in the same lines as premium products. Like I said, the CX-9 I owned was more in line with that of the Buick Enclave than it was with the Chevy Traverse. Their fit and finish, sound control, features, and stance 
are all above what you would come to expect from either an explorer or highlander. The Mazda sits above the rest of the class. They make you feel like you're driving a luxury product, and they even look like you're driving a luxury product. The Amati Dream was an amazing thing for Mazda. And even though, when you take a look back at it, for how much Ford had and how much influence they had, they really didn't bring down this product. Mazda was just a little too late to the party. And Amati really needed those products to be pushed a lot sooner than they did. When the bubble burst for the luxury marketplace in Japan, the whole project just came crashing down. And unfortunately, Mazda and all of its divisions that had once held have all been pushed by the wayside. But Mazda being a dedicated product of all of its own now, with no tie-ins with Ford or any other automaker similar to that of Honda, Mazda may just be able to do what they want to do now. So will Mazda listen to us and bring the Amati brand back? Will they push it? Or would there any Esperant come back? Hell, they saw it in Europe. Why not? Mazda may be, may be moving into more of a premium field with premium pricing and premium products. With Amati, they can create a luxury sub-brand. Something that Mazda could really use. Whereas the world between luxury and standard is becoming more skewed, Mazda may be able to straddle both of them for the time being. But when the market changes and people get more influenced by luxury makes, Mazda may just need to split themselves apart and do the same thing that Mazda did during their luxury rise. So if you like this podcast, please like, share, or comment about it. Definitely go and give us some, some star ratings. Send some reviews and tell your friends and family about it. The Autolux Podcast is here for all your automotive information and backstories about the industry, its history, and where we are going in the future. All from the Autolux Podcast, Ecom Entertainment Media, Autolux.net. If you haven't been there, stop by, check out the website, and read some of our amazing articles. And myself, the doctor to the auto industry, your host. Everett J. So like I said, stop by, send us some reviews, and keep listening to the Autolux podcast. From myself, Everett J. The whole Autolux team here, strap yourself in for this one luxurious ride that Mazda is now taking us on.